You know the saying, we plan and God laughs? Well, I guess that's very apropos right now. Last week, I told you guys I would be starting a new chapter, that I was back, you know, that I was going to be doing new things with my podcast. But the days that followed changed my life forever. On Friday, Malibu, my almost 16-year-old Yorkie, started having frequent fainting spells, nonstop vomiting and diarrhea, and not eating much. She didn't look so good, and we decided to leave Marilyn earlier than planned and drive her to her vet here in Brookville on Saturday morning to see what could be done to make her better. It was a very difficult decision because it's a long drive, at least four and a half hours. And it was, you know, there was a very good vet that was right next to my parents' neighborhood that I knew growing up. And the thing is, she was only uh, used to Dr. Krasnoff. She had only gone to Dr. Krasnoff at Brookville Animal for her whole life. Both our dogs have done wonderful under his care and we trust him completely and we feel he is the best vet in the world. I was afraid that whatever vet near my parents uh, would say would just not feel trustworthy enough to me and I would still want my own vet's opinion after listening to theirs. So what was the point of going anywhere else other than my own vet? So my mom then Googled uh, the vet that was located closest to them and saw that they weren't open on the weekends. And that just made the decision to drive home to go to Boo Boo's own vet much easier. So that night, Friday into Saturday, um, it, it was just absolutely miserable. Because Scott and Malibu stayed up together while Bentley and I managed to sleep some. And according to Scott, uh, Malibu was staring into space and aimlessly digging corners on the floor, acting somewhat delusional. He says that he looked her in the eyes and he felt her communicate to him that she was ready to go. But he didn't say anything to me. I had actually spent the last few months begging her not to go, telling her that mommy wasn't ready. That night, um, I probably slept around four hours and Scott didn't sleep much at all. I think he slept under, under an hour. He woke me up at 4.20 a.m. Saturday morning saying that we had to go. And that was 10 minutes before the alarm was supposed to go off. And I was disoriented for hours after that. I don't know what was going on with me that I couldn't wake up. It felt like a dream, you know. And we got in the car and drove off with our babies, stopping twice at rest stops because Scott needed to take naps for 10 minutes because he had only gotten about an hour of sleep. And Malibu was just sleeping in the back seat on her bed because we always drove with the dogs in their, in their beds in the back seat with their harness strapped onto the doggy seatbelt. They both have always loved car rides and have always been absolutely great 
in the car. I feel so bad for everyone that I talk to whose dogs or children don't do well in car seats because our dogs were dreams in the car. And um, at 9 a.m., we called uh, her vet, which is the time they open, and we told them that we were coming there, that we had to see Dr. Krasnov because there are four doctors in the practice, and we like them all, but we love Dr. Krasnov. And they said that he only had one appointment available at 11.30 a.m., but it had to be exactly at 11.30. And our ETA was actually going to be 10 a.m., so we confirmed that that appointment would work because, you know, we could be there at that time. And we actually planned together in the car to, you know, if we're going to get there early, we could take the dogs for a walk by the water in Seacliff, which is a place that we always used to walk them when we used to live in Glen Cove. And they hadn't been there in over 10 years, uh, probably 11 years or so, since 2010. And neither had we. Traffic was great. We made it exactly on time. Everything went as planned, and we stopped by Seacliff so that they could go for a little walk and pee and stuff. And then we went to the vet. We parked there. We called them to let them know we were early, and we waited in the car. That's the whole COVID protocol. The whole time, Malibu was calm. She was just sleeping. Bentley, on the other hand, was like a nerve wreck. He just was as crazy as could be. He was panting, pacing. Eventually, the nurse came to our car window, asked the reason for our visit. And again, this is customary COVID protocol. And she took Malibu in. Several minutes later, Dr. Krasnov came out. He said that her vitals were normal. She had a normal heart, normal lungs but that he had done some blood work to begin the whole search for the reason behind the fainting spells because that didn't sound good. And just as some background, uh, for months now, uh, I have been worried about Malibu's heart because she had a really bad cough for over two years and we were treating it with Hycodin and it was working. The doctor had diagnosed her with trachobronchitis after doing an x-ray and the protocol was that protocol and that was the right thing to do everything was okay she also was on des which is a hormone balancing pill to control her incontinence which had gotten really bad in the last six months to be honest the last six months had been constant trips to the vet with her we saw the vet more in the last six months than we did in the last 15 years so we were concerned that her health wasn't what it once was but you know, I, being who I am, believing in miracles as I do, did not really see it coming. And neither did our doctor or the nurse. And honestly, I don't think anyone did, despite knowing that she was on borrowed time. Even Scott didn't see how imminent she was from dying. So anyway, our vet did the blood work. He said that the next step, if everything came back negative, you know, and good with the blood, was to do an echocardiogram to see what was happening with her heart. And there are several things that wouldn't be detectable from just listening to the heart. So he also gave her a shot for the vomiting and the diarrhea, and he gave her some subcutaneous fluids to rehydrate her. She was returned to us the same way that she went in, you know, calm, tired, but still looking pretty healthy for her age. And we drove off towards home. Within less than five minutes, she started panting, and I saw her gums were turning white. 
Scott was busy on the phone updating everyone who had called, letting them know what the vet said, that she was okay. But I was looking at her, and I could tell that she wasn't. And still, though, I thought it was just normal reaction to being tired or hot or just having been to the vet, which always made her so rattled. Usually she used to shake. She wasn't shaking that day, and that was unusual. Bentley decided to share her bed instead of laying on his own. She stopped panting and then she fell asleep and he slept on her, you know, with his neck over hers. We were on the sunken meadow, almost at our exit, when her breathing started looking strange. She was making sounds and motions as if she would vomit, but without getting up at all, which was unusual since dogs normally throw up standing up, not laying sideways. Also, I had watched my dog, Shah, who I grew up with, pass away in 2015 on Christmas Day, and I knew in that moment that her soul was leaving her body. And I was actually inadvertently filming her because I wanted to show Scott what was happening because he was driving and he couldn't look back. And I also wanted to film it to show to the vet because at that point we had decided to call her vet to let him know what was happening and telling him that we were going to be taking her to the vet closest to our house in 25A because we were already too far from Brookville. I stopped filming and picked her up from the bed, removing her from the harness and bringing her to the front on me. And she took her last breath. She died comfortably in my arms. I was panicked. I realized that she was gone and I let out a terrifying scream. It was like my heart was yanked out of me. Still though, I thought maybe I was wrong and maybe she had just fainted, maybe they could do CPR. So we took her to North Shore Veterinary Hospital, which by the way, was an amazing place too. And I wanna thank them so much for everything. Scott rushed in there despite the wait in the car protocol for COVID. He said, I'm so sorry, but we just came back from our vet and our dog stopped breathing in the car. So the nurse rushed out, picked her up from me, took her inside. They tried CPR, but she was gone. She was gone. My boo-boo, my baby, the love of mommy's life, my sweet girl, just like that. The world turned cold and dark. I felt lost, dazed, and confused. I felt so lonely. The pain was gut-wrenching. And I have lost people that I adored more than anything, like my grandpa. I have also lost other dogs before, who I loved a lot. But never have I ever felt pain like this. I know that for Scott and Bentley, he was just as painful too, because I could see it in their eyes. Our little family of four was undone just like that. I think it's because for all of us, None of us had ever had any constant the way that Malibu was to all of us. Because for Scott and obviously Bentley, Malibu was part of our daily life. We didn't know life without her. She was at least 80% of what we spent doing, of our worries, of our joy, of our routine. Going home without her felt, (laughs) you know, I can't even talk about it. She was a light in the darkness. Malbu smiled, you know. 
showing her teeth and everything. She was a little ball of fluff, full of personality, and I never really let that many people get to know her all that well. I really guarded her, and I guarded our relationship. Only Scott and I and our parents and siblings truly knew her and her quirks and intricacies and personality. But to be honest, really, only Scott and I and Bentley, of course, truly knew her well. And she knew us. She knew me. She was my comforter. She was my inspiration. Without her, I wouldn't have survived law school or even started my firm. I may not have survived New York. I haven't had to live in New York without her. It's a scary thought to think that I have to now. And I cannot possibly make any of you understand how important she was and is to me, or to Scott, or to Bentley. We haven't lived without her, or slept without her, with the exception of when we were away on a trip for almost 16 years. I have suffered from debilitating anxiety that she supported me through and helped me heal from. I started my law firm in a big part so that I could work from home and spend most of my time with her and her brother. She has guided uh, me in many ways to my purpose. She was also my purpose in and of itself in many ways. Caring for her was natural and effortless. It was a joy and a blessing. I feel so grateful and blessed for the time with her. It is that feeling that is helping me deal with the overwhelming and devastating nostalgia that I feel. Scott feels the same as me. Bentley feels even worse, if that's even imaginable. I know it may sound presumptuous to assume how he feels, since he's nonverbal, but I know how he feels from his demeanor, his actions, and his inactions. He has always been a frolicking guy, a speed demon, a loud barker, and has not barked or ran or expressed any joy since Saturday. He was an amazing brother. He was there for his sister, head-to-head, comforting her as she crossed over and transitioned into her new form of being. I can't believe that I have the whole thing on video. He has barely eaten, and he refuses to eat anything that they both enjoyed together. He, is, he has only eaten blueberries, which she didn't like and he loved, and baby food, which the vet recommended, and we never had given to either of them before. He won't touch the glucosamine supplements that he and she ate for over a decade, uh, or the treats, or the dry food, or even the chicken that they both loved so much. Anything they both loved, he won't eat. He won't eat without her. He looks for her all over the house. He whimpers and he stares into the abyss. He goes to the same places that she used to be in and just stares. And he spends most of his day in bed, eyes open, crying and looking at me as if asking, where is she? When is she coming back? And I wish I had some way to make him feel better. And we are trying. We have started new routines, new memories for him. We go on walks now, and we plan on doing more and more new activities. And we don't leave him alone. He has never 
been alone. He always had her. They have never, ever spent even one night apart during his entire life because he's younger. He has never known life without her. He is 14 and a half years old and it is caring for him and remembering that I'm blessed to have him and that he is alive and I need to make his well-being my priority that is helping me heal quicker than I thought I would. I cry randomly and so does Scott and life has been hard for the last few days. My parents were so kind to drive up here to be with us this week so that we wouldn't grieve alone. My family in Brazil has called and cried with us. My family here has also cried with us. My dad brought his guitar. He has also been playing the, my piano and music always heals. I know there is a God and that she is an angel in great part because, you know, or due to the many alignments on her last moments on earth. She knew I was prone to guilt issues and she made sure that she made it to the vet first and it was her vet so that I would know that I tried everything before she passed. What if she had died while I was away on vacation in Mexico and she was staying with my parents? How would they feel? How would we feel? But she waited. What if the vet near my parents had been open and we decided to take her there and she died anyway? Would I have been second-guessing my decision? What if she had died on the road and we didn't make it to her vet because it was so far away? Would I have been second-guessing that decision? But no, she waited. She went to the vet and then she passed. She wasn't doing well for months, but she waited so that we could go on vacation for the first time in two years. And she got to see all the people and places she loved most. She even, you know, had the last look at Seacliff. <laughs> That's amazing. The night she died, Dave Matthews Band, which is our favorite band, was performing in Denver, and they changed their planned encore in the last minute to play two-step, which is my favorite closing, and the one that I had chosen on my What Would You Play list when I was a guest DJ on DMB Radio earlier this summer. And when, when I did that, she was by my side. She was there when I recorded that. She knew how much we loved DMB. And that was definitely a unique moment, and I felt it was a sign, uh, because, you know, there were also some ridiculous amounts of angel numbers that we saw on the road that day and the days that followed, so everything was in alignment. Definitely, Dave Matthews changing his encore was unusual, and there's no real explanation for that. I know that she didn't like to see me sad, so I won't be sad. I will choose happiness. Nostalgia comes in and I know that I will cry because I miss her. But I will work on focusing on the good memories and on Bentley, who she loved more than anything. And making his last years, which I hope they are many, the best that they can be. Maybe she can help me get him to break the world record of longevity for dogs. As for this podcast... I will definitely continue it, but not today. Not right now. I don't know when I will come back. I will certainly keep you all posted. I know it's been transformative for many people, and I also know it's been transformative for me. And I also know it's time 
that I bring back life to this channel. Maybe Malibu will help me do it. She did speak to me through angel numbers and told me that I must embark on a new chapter and new beginnings. So maybe this is one of them. I want to thank all of those who reached out to Scott and to me for the words of comfort, the love, the hugs, and the tears, the food and the gifts, the offerings, the music, to my parents and my in-laws and my brother and sister, Ross and Amanda, my best friends, especially Fia, who did so much for me and poured so much love trying to help me feel better, and Bridget, and Paul, and Chels, and Jeremiah, and Mariana, and Anna, and Katie, Eric, all those who texted and called to check on me and on Scott, all my friends and my clients who wrote messages of support and who expressed so much compassion and understanding and patience to our Hudson family. Thank you so much. And thank you for my colleagues too, who are imperative at helping me work-wise because my mind is certainly not there right now. I am eternally grateful for your assistance and for your understanding for your empathy, for your compassion. Thank you. I also want to thank Giselle Binchin for her amazing book, Lessons, My Path to a Meaningful Life, who, you know, I, which I highly recommend, especially for chapter three and the beautiful words about Vita. It has been validating and instrumental in helping me heal in this difficult time. Time heals all wounds. And if there are any lessons that I can share with you right now to carry you through our next meeting, it is this. When we pray for strength, God has to give us difficult situations so that we must overcome to learn strength. When we pray for wisdom, God has to give us challenging situations that we must solve so that we can become wise. When we pray for courage, God has to give us frightful moments so that we may develop the bravery we seek. That is what I mean when I say here that life doesn't happen to us, it happens for us. I know that to be true from a basic level of being. That doesn't mean that I have achieved fearlessness or ultimate wisdom or superhuman strength, not at all, not even close, but... I know that I have the tools to understand and overcome and progress in life, and so do you, so do all of us. We are each in our own time zone, though, and I pray that I learn quickly. I am blessed that I prayed for love, and I have given so much love. A good friend of mine, Jessica Hope, uh, said that the pain that I feel right now is in direct proportion to the love that I gave Boo Boo. The more I loved her, the greater the pain will be because of the pain uh, or that the pain is the absence of the target of that love, which was her. And I must have given her more love than I knew I could handle because I am handling more pain than I ever have before. But it was worth it. When you give love, you get love. And I am sure I have received more kisses than anyone in history of mankind. I am also so grateful for the love I receive always from my amazing husband who has been instrumental in helping us all heal. He is hurting so much and in his pain he validates ours and 
we heal as a family. I'm so grateful again for my parents and my family and friends and clients. So grateful for my in-laws and of course so grateful for Bentley and for my little angel boo-boo. I promise that I will do my best not to cry out your name so much that, you know, so that you may have some peace right now. I want you to rest in peace, boo-boo. And I ask that when my time comes, you come guide me home. I will follow the unforgettable and unmistakable sound of your little feet. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for being here. And thank you all for being a part of my journey. I am Camilla, and I will be on a pause until I can once again be your high vibe advocate. Until we resume.